Hello and welcome to the Bearded Tits podcast. I'm your host, Jack Perks, and I thought I would go through what the format of the podcast is going to be in the future. Uh, Basically, each week I will talk about a different news topic to start with. Then I'll go into the main topic of each episode with the title of the podcast. And then I'll finish off with a quick review of a nature reserve. Um, I call it nature reserve of the week, if you like. And then finish with my final thoughts and any questions you guys send in. So it could be a question about the podcast, the specific topic, or it could just be anything you want to you wanna ask me, really. So I'm looking to kind of cover subjects that's going to interest you. Maybe you want to get into wildlife photography. Maybe you're looking for an insight into the industry, things like... Uh, editing it could be how it physically works you know what's it like to be a professional wildlife photographer i'm going to have guest interviews as well we're going to get some uh, some of my friends and and colleagues in this industry and talk to them about what makes them tick and a little bit about their specialties so it should be kind of good sized uh, chunk of information as we go along um each podcast can be slightly different length i'm trying to aim no longer than an hour it might be a bit less uh, we'll we'll kind of see how it all uh, goes along. I want to give a quick shout out to UK Wildlife Podcast, which is run by my mate Neil Phillips and a very talented photographer called Victoria Hillman, which largely kind of got me off my arse to do this because I've been listening to some of their podcasts and I've been wanting to do one for a while. I thought, you know what, I'm I'm going to do it, and at the same time, I'm going to try and make it slightly different because there's no point doing two of the same things. So, um, but yeah, check that out if you've not listened to it. UK Wildlife Podcast is, is well worth a listen. So today uh, the subject is going to be coronavirus and how it's affecting self-employed people, namely photographers. Now I don't feel that I need to go into how it started and self-isolating. There's plenty of that all over the news already so we're all well aware of that and I'm not an expert in that so you don't need me to to go through it but what I can tell you about is how it's affecting self-employed people namely photographers and talk a little bit about the changes really that it is causing and I think the changes it will cause to society in general after all this kind of stops hopefully. Firstly when this all kind of kicked off there was very little support for self, self-employed self people there was you could do you know general credit um, or general benefits and whatnot but it's not it's not a lot if you're used to a much higher wage and eventually the government did come out with some support and they look at uh, three years of your employment. So I'm a sole trader. I'm, I, I just work for myself. There's no one else that I employ. So they look at three years of, of my declared profit and then they'll take an average of that. But that might not come until June. So I've got a mate do. I mean, currently we're at the beginning of April now. So I've got a few months. Now I've got savings and things, but that wasn't really meant for, for coronavirus. I'm... Uh, I'm getting married this year. I'm also about to buy a house. So I've got lots of expenses that that money is meant to be for, which may have to be uh, postponed. So it's quite quite frustrating. Pretty much over the space of a few nights, the majority of my work got cancelled. I think so far I've lost something like three and a half grand's worth of work, um, which you know for a self-employed person is a lot of money for me. Uh, that, you know that could take me up to a while. So it is uh, quite worrying about what what's going to happen because you know all my work's been cancelled not a lot's come in but it is interesting how we do cope with these things and some work has arisen from it so for example uh, I'm sure many of you will be familiar with the app Zoom 
and I've actually done a couple of talks now using Zoom. I did one to a camera club last night, it went really well. And it's made me think that actually, uh, ordinarily, I have to charge more money if I travel to do talks across the country, but there's no reason why I couldn't do a talk, not only anywhere in the UK, but anywhere in the world via Zoom. So I'll be interested to see if those kind of requests come in after this, where people who ordinarily wouldn't be able to pay for the petrol and maybe a hotel, I don't know, say right in the north of Scotland or right down in Cornwall, I'm based in Nottingham, so middle of the country, um, they might want me to do a talk on uh, on Zoom, do it that way. I've also had stock requests come in, so there was a, a TV programme that wanted some footage of, uh, of Pike, they can't go out and film it, so they needed stock. So it has, in a weird way, created some work that wouldn't have already been there, but it doesn't doesn't nowhere near replace the, the work that I've lost. So it is it is slightly worrying. I think one of the the main things people are struggling with um, with the self isolating is is what to do is is boredom. And particularly for me, I'm like a Labrador. I go nuts if I'm indoors for too long. You know, I start staring at the walls and and the mirrors start talking to me. So I, I like to be outdoors. And for the last two weeks, uh, someone in my house hasn't been very well, so I've had to completely self-isolate. So there's been no no going out for, for walks, nothing. Um, and the only kind of escape for me has been the garden, which has been an absolute saviour. Now, I am uh, i haven't got a, a very elaborate wildlife garden. You know, it's not particularly big. I live in a, in a suburban area. But I've got some bird boxes up. I've I've got a, a quite a nice wildlife pond and things like that. And I've been getting stuck into that really, looking at the wildlife in my garden. And I would encourage anyone who is in this situation, just go in your garden and explore. Because I tell you what, you'll be absolutely amazed at what you can find. And this time of year is phenomenal for wildlife. We've got the springs just is just springing into action. There's so much wildlife happening. I've seen lots of queen bumblebees. Uh, the birds are getting nesting material. The frogs have already had their spawn. The tadpoles are developing. So you could do a fantastic photographic project in your garden. We've got the time. There's nothing else on. You know, there would be some great photos that you could take in there. And that's something I've been doing a lot of. I've actually set up some, some tanks. I've got three big tanks in my shed. And I've been photographing uh, pond wildlife in there. So I've just been taking newts out and sticklebacks and stuff like that out of my pond and getting some shots and some video and I think that's helping me get through this personally. Uh, one of the most important things is to have a routine as well. So I wake up in the morning and I do some work on my laptop, it might be emails, it might be a bit of writing, it might be some YouTube videos or something like that but I'll get some work done on the laptop. I personally find my brain is sort of working in the morning so uh, to, to, to the highest capacity that my brain can work anyway, which isn't isn't a great deal, but it does work a little bit. Then I'll go in the garden and I'll do something practical. I'll actually go and do something. I'll, I'll, I might do some gardening or I'll go take some pictures and then I might do I might go back to a little bit of computer work. But I've got some sort of routine throughout the day and that that's really helping me um, get get through it all basically. Uh, when I could go out for a walk, you know, I'd walk my dog. I've got a little sausage dog called Pepper, so that was really helpful. And I'd take the binoculars, or I might even take a camera, and I'd just document what I see on, on my dog walk. So that's that's really good. I think one of the things is, is as I say, just keeping occupied. So what other things can you do? Well, I mentioned the photo project. So, you know, whether it's birds, whether it's macro. I mean, macro in your garden is absolutely fantastic. There's so much that you can find. 
if you've just got a little a little bush, stop it. We're not going there. Um, or you know wildflowers or something like that. There's there's lots of things that you can that you can photograph there. Of course, you can start wildlife gardening. You know you can start to make your garden into the perfect wildlife habitat. Whether that is putting up some bird boxes, whether it's putting some wildflowers out. You know natives always best if you can get that. Um, whether it's digging a wildlife pond or there's so many things online. I definitely recommend the, the, the Wildlife Garden Project if, you, if you're stuck for ideas. It's a website run by a friend of mine called Laura Turner, and she's got some great stuff on there, so that'll give you some ideas. Um, if you want to be a little bit more scientific, you could even do a bio-blitz. If you're not familiar with that, it's where you record every kind of living organism that you can. I think normally they do it for 24 hours. Obviously, you're not going to be up for 24 hours, but you could do a 12-hour one. You could even do an hour one and just see how many different species you can record. I bet you'll be amazed at how many you can find in your garden. Uh, and when you really get your eye looking, you'll be amazed at things that you didn't necessarily think were even in your garden. Yesterday, well, yesterday or the day before that, I was sat in my garden and have a cup of tea uh, and a sparrowhawk flew over my head. Female sparrowhawk, she was displaying. Well, it must have been the male displaying, but she, she flew over. Absolutely spectacular. You know, fantastic to see that. So it's going to be some tough months ahead, I think, for, for self-employed people in, in all professions. And with any of these kinds of professions, it's always the luxury ones or the non-essential ones that get hit the hardest. And at the end of the day, wildlife photography is not essential. The world will carry on fine if people don't be don't carry on snapping pictures of puffins with sand eels in their mouths or whatever. So this industry is going to take a real, a real hit, I think. And... It's one of those things where it's going to be interesting to see how people adapt to that because not everyone will. And I've already felt the pinch, but I'm trying to find ways around that. And I think everyone's got to find solutions to to try and make, make a book or two in, in what is already a very difficult industry to make money anyway. Um, the, the grants that the governments are handing out, you know, hopefully at the beginning of June, they said, that's obviously going to just help ticking over. But until then, it's just a case of finding work where I can as I say, the, the talks are helping, the odd the odd talk that's coming in, stock requests. Um, but I'm also doing a hell of a lot of kind of speculative work. And it's one of those things where we all think, oh, I wish I had the time to do that. Well, now we've got the time to do that, which is partly why I'm doing this podcast. I've been meaning to do a podcast for, for ages. And I've just been like, oh, I haven't really got the time. I'll, I'll get around to it. Well, I have got the time. So that's why I'm, I'm recording or pre-recording loads of them. I'm going to try and pre-record loads of them. For the first week, I'm going to release seven. So one each day, and then it'll just be weekly. Um, and I'm just trying to do jobs like that, really. I'm trying to think, right, what can I do now? Why I've got the time. So I've been doing lots of YouTube videos. Um, at the minute, I've been doing a series called Fact Files, where I'll talk about an animal for about two minutes and then put footage over it and a bit of, bit of nice music. Um, and I've got those all the way up till September, so I'm, I'm, I'm pretty scheduled with those quite nicely. I mean, that's another thing you can do. You can schedule your social media posts. So whether it's Instagram, whether it's Twitter, whether it's Facebook, uh, I mean, to be fair, we're doing bugger all, but you can, put, you can put posts out for days on end. If you think about it, there's going to be a huge captive audience at the moment. Everyone's indoors. They're looking for something to watch or look at. It'd be interesting to look at the analytics, and I may even do that, um, and just see, has it gone up? Has there been a spike in viewership on YouTube or a spike in um, kind of engagement on, on Twitter and, and Facebook because of all this? So I'm trying to think of jobs that I can do 
why I've got nothing else to do. And that, that's been some of them. One of them as well is looking at old hard drives. So I've got, oh God, I've got loads of hard drives anyway, with thousands of images on. And I am going to talk about, uh, in, in a future podcast, about backing up images and whatnot. But I thought, I'm going to have a look through and I'm just going to have a look if there's any images that I maybe have overlooked. Is there anything that maybe I maybe missed the first time or all as photographers are taste change or style changes so I thought okay let's see what I've uh, what I've what I've gotten if there's anything that I could maybe do something with and I found loads of images that were pretty decent and I thought you know what I could probably do something with these so that's kind of kept me busy I've been sorting through um, old hard drives and organizing them so just jobs like that really um, one of the things I, I can't stand is keywording, so I've been I have been doing a little bit of keywording. There's a bit of writing I've been doing as well, magazine articles and uh, book proposals and all kinds of you know things like that. The trouble with all these things, though, of course, is although I may earn money out of them in the future, I'm not earning money out of them right now, and now is when I need the money. So kind of quick cash is tricky in wildlife photography. There's not really any such thing as quick cash, unless it's you know, literally a paid in hand or something, uh, which doesn't happen that often. So all these things I hope to make money out of somewhere down the line, but I'm not gonna make money out of it right now. And everyone has been very tight-fisted. No one wants to spend, they're very reluctant to spend money uh, because you know it's, it's such an uncertain time at the moment. So it, it, it's tricky, it's frustrating, but I'm just trying to do what I can with the time that that I've got on my hands and and just kind of get stuck into that. And I think one of the interesting things is going to be the social change in that after this is all said and done, because remember, this isn't going to last forever. You know, it will stop at some point. There is going to be social change. I think Zoom has become massively popular now, which is an app where you can talk to multiple people. Um, and you can do talks, you can share your screen and do slideshows. And I think that's going to encourage people to, you know, do talks remotely because it works really well. It's a really good app. Definitely recommend it. Um, I think it's going to make people think about travel in terms of like, do you really need to fly to some place to do that? You know, can, can you do that from home? I think it's going to really affect a lot of things in how we work. I also think because this is the first time we've had a virus like this in, in our generation, in our lifetime, for most of us anyway, um, it'll probably affect if it happens again. I mean, I say if, probably when, the, the chances are it will happen again. But you would like to think we'll be better prepared next time for for how this is all, all going ahead. So that's basically what I've got to say about being self-employed with this all. Just, just keep busy, keep doing stuff. Um, find things to do, find things to photograph. There's, there's plenty of subjects out there. So that brings me on to Nature Reserve of the Week. And this week I am talking about Attenborough Nature Reserve, which is a Nottinghamshire Wildlife Trust owned site, or well, leased at the moment. They're actually trying to buy it. They've just raised a million uh, pounds to, to buy it off Semex. So it's going to be completely theirs. Um, it's based in Attenborough. Often people think that it's called Attenborough Nature Reserve after David Attenborough, but it's not. It's it's in the village of Attenborough, and that's where it gets its name, even though he opened it officially in 1966, and intermittently he's come back uh, during the years. So it's not too far from the city centre of Nottingham, and I think that's why it gets such a good footfall. It's always a busy reserve. 
it was voted the second best nature reserve in the country. And I think one of the top nine ecotourism places in, in the world. Or it was number nine, not top nine. That'd be pointless, wouldn't it? It'd be top ten. But you get my meaning. It's quite a, a prestigious place for that kind of stuff. It's 145 hectares of wetland, grassland and scrub. So there's a good mixture of habitat. A little bit of woodland in there as well. But predominantly, it's a wetland place. And you've got the River Arawash, which kind of empties into this wetland. And then you've got the River Trent that goes along. So it's all in the kind of Trent Valley Basin. So there's lots and lots of migratory birds that use this, lots of invertebrates. Uh, Tim Sexton, who's the, the manager at the moment, really, really into his inverts. He's, he's found literally thousands of books, things I wouldn't even begin to know how to pronounce with scientific names and, and things like that. But I think one of the things that's fantastic about Attenborough is the facilities, and that's what makes it such a brilliant nature reserve, because not only do you have all the wildlife there, you know, things, star species like bitterns and starling murmurations and things like that. But you've also got excellent, excellent facilities. So there's a nature centre right next to the car park. So if you're not very good at walking or you're not very mobile, you can park up. There's disabled parking and you can get to the centre. It's all flat and there's ramps, no problem at all. And in fact, even from the nature centre, there's a nice balcony where you can overlook the lake, you can sit down with a nice cup of tea, a nice bit of cake if you're feeling adventurous, and you can see great crested grebes displaying, kingfishers flying by, uh, cormorants sunning themselves, and a host of waterfowl that get fed there, you know, ideally birdseed. Uh, but you, I mean, like recently there's been a hooper swan, there's been a barnacle goose, so you do get some of the more unusual stuff mixing in with those as well. And that's all that just at the car park, pretty much. There's paths all the way around the reserve, and for the most part, it, it's pretty easy walking. There are one or two little bits that can get a little bit muddy and a bit uneven, but for the most part, it's, it's easy going. Um, the cafe also has a gift shop, so you know there's all the usual kind of spiel that they're trying to sell books and toys and all that sort of stuff. So there's stuff for the kids to do as well. Um, they've got toilets at the centre, and at the back there's a little nature garden, and there's the, one of the first hides, which is the San Martin hide. And if you go there kind of late spring, early summer, you guessed it, the San Martins. They've actually built a bank into that hide. It's phenomenal seeing all these San Martins flying around. But you'll also get views of things like lapwings and other birds in front of that. So it's well worth visiting that one. Let's take a slurp of tea. Um, there's, how many hides is there? Hang on, there's, there's three other hides. So two are public, one's private. The other one's the Kingfisher hide, which I always feel is a bit kind of false expectations because you expect to see a kingfisher but there isn't um well there are there they do you do see them there but it's, it's not the best place to see them on the reserve um but it's a great kind of view of i think it's clifton pond it overlooks so that's a good little hide to go go visit and then there's the tower hide which is a little bit higher up and that overlooks the reed bed and in the autumn it's really really good to get a kind of front row seat for the starling murmurations but also in the winter it's probably the best place to see bitterns not necessarily photograph them because you're a bit higher up, but to see bitterns, that's a great spot. And I've seen bitterns from that hide uh, myself a few a few years ago. There's also another hide in the Delta, but you need a pass uh, passcode to get in there, which I think you only get if you're a Nottinghamshire Wildlife Trust member. And that's probably the best hide for photography because it's quieter. Uh, there's a perch out there for, for a kingfisher. I mean, I, the Trust don't really uh, put those out. I think some photographers done it, but um, that's the best one for photography. Now, the whole reserve is actually old gravel pits. And from the kind of the late 20s to the late 60s, that's where all these pits were dug out. 
And until relatively recently, I can't remember off the top of my head, but it was only a few years ago when they completely stopped extracting gravel. So there was tons and tons of gravel in this place, which left behind these huge pits, these large lakes. Some of them relatively shallow, some of them quite deep. And it just created a perfect paradise for so many birds and other wildlife because they're going to be using the River Trent to, to migrate um, along. And this is a great stop-off point, so it's a really good place for migrants to see all these kind of unusual uh, birds and things like that. So it's one of my favourite nature reserves to, to visit. I can't recommend it highly enough. If you get a chance, definitely visit Attenborough Nature Reserve. It ticks all the boxes for me in terms of you're always going to see something to photograph and, and to get a get a good little twitch in. You're always going to have facilities. The, the cake, the food in there is absolutely fantastic. They've got vegan options, vegetarian options, you, you name it, gluten-free. So they're really good for that kind of stuff. Toilets uh, at the reserve. If you're caught short on the reserve, then you, you're going to have to get inventive. But apart from that, it, it is absolutely fantastic. So I would uh, I would definitely recommend Attenborough Nature Reserve. So I'm going to end today's podcast basically with questions and final thought. Now, this being the first podcast... There aren't really any questions. However, my friend uh, Matt Lissimore, another wildlife photographer, did get in touch and said, where can we find the podcast and what are you calling it? Um, which I thought was probably the first thing I should have said. So obviously it's called The Bearded Tits. Um, or The Bearded... Yeah, The Bearded Tits. I had to think about that then. I was thinking, oh, is that something else? But no. Um, if you don't get the joke behind that as well, I should just say that there's a bird called a bearded tit and, and I am a hairy man who's referred to as a tit sometimes so that that's the kind of in joke there um but it is on itunes now it's been registered with it but i'm using podbean as as my kind of uh, host for that kind of thing um all i would say is look you know it might be getting you down a little bit it might be making you think god this is going to drag on forever but it's not going to drag on forever i think just find those little things that make you happy while this is all going on remember to talk to your friends and family uh, whether it's on whatsapp whether it's on skype whether it's uh, Zoom or House Party is a great app as well if any of you have used that and just keep connected, keep talking and keep posting pictures. We want to see uh, all the stuff that you're up to, particularly you know if it's just on your local walk or, or in your garden. Um, tomorrow's podcast is going to be about books and I'm going to talk about is it worth doing a photography book because I've had some ups and downs in that department so I'll be kind of going, going for all that. But anyway, um, let me know if you've made it this far, let me know what you thought of the podcast, if you enjoyed it, uh, if you've got any questions for future podcasts, and maybe you've got any suggestions as well. So yeah, until next time, uh, I've been Jack Perks hosting The Bearded Tits, and thanks for listening. Cheers. <laughs>